Good morning. We are glad you're here today. Thank you for coming our way. If you're visiting, as always, we appreciate so much you coming to visit with us. We hope and pray that the time that we spend together will benefit you, and we appreciate your willingness to honor us with your presence. It's good to see David and Gail Justice with us today. They're sitting in the back, and we welcome them. Haven't seen them in a while, but we want to welcome them. I want to call your attention to Luke chapter 17 in our study today. We're going to be talking about Luke 17, and specifically in our text, we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 19. I do hope that all of you have had a great holiday. Hope and pray that Thanksgiving has been good to you. We've got a lot to be grateful for. The song Brother Billy led a moment ago, Count Your Many Blessings. We have so many blessings to be thankful for. And it would be very difficult for us to itemize them one by one. What I want to do in our study today, first, make an examination of the text, and then secondly, some application. So pick up with me in verse 11, if you will, in Luke chapter 17. The text tells us that Jesus was making His way to Jerusalem. And in so doing, He passed through Galilee and Samaria. Galilee and Samaria would have been to the north of the great city of Jerusalem. And the Bible says in verse 12 that as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And so we think about the condition of these men. They had been ostracized. They were to live outside the camp because they were spiritually unclean. You can go back and look at Leviticus chapter 13. And they were to announce their uncleanness. They were ostracized from society. And the Bible says in verse 13 that they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Obviously, they knew something about the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus was the authoritative one. Jesus had demonstrated His great power on many, many occasions. Jesus had stilled the seas and the wind. The Lord Jesus had healed lepers in the past. He had done so many great works, and so these men cry out to Him for mercy in verse 14, the Lord then commands them. The Bible says, when He saw them. Significant to me that the Lord Jesus saw these men. And understand that no matter where we are in life, no matter what our condition might be, whether we are in Christ or outside of Christ, the Lord sees us and He sees us as we are. Jesus then instructed Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. So number one, physically speaking, they enjoyed the cleansing power of the Lord. But then furthermore, they would have been pronounced ceremonially clean. And the Bible says in verse 15 that one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, 
giving him thanks. Now, note if you would what Luke says here. And he was a Samaritan. How did the Jews in the first century feel about the Samaritans? You remember in John chapter 4 when Jesus was in the city called Sychar, the Bible tells us that he was at Jacob's well. And John tells us that the Lord was weary. He came in contact with a Samaritan woman and asked a drink of water from her. And she responded by asking this question, How is it that you, being a Jew, would ask for a drink of water from me, a Samaritan? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. But this man, who was a Samaritan, the downtrodden, some of the disenfranchised, if you pleased, in that day and time, because of what the Lord had done for him, did what many of us would do. This man not only glorified God verbally and with a loud voice, but the Bible says he fell down on his face at the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says, giving him thanks. And then Jesus, in verse 17, asked a very pertinent question. We might say, a comeback to this man that came back. Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who, retur who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Very powerful story. To understand that this is included in the teaching of Christ. Number one, I think, because of the significance of the one who came back and gave thanks, a Samaritan. And to understand that the appeal of Jesus was not isolated merely to the Jews, but rather His ministry encompassed all people, didn't it? Remember Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. The promise being, I'll give you rest. God's design was to say both Jews, Gentiles, we could lump in the Samaritans in the one body, the church. So what's the application? On the one hand, you have what I would call the ingratitude of the nine. Ingratitude is a terrible thing. You know, there was a day and time in our country, I believe, when there were lots of mamas and daddies in the home that taught their children to simply say two words, thank you. In Romans chapter 1, we read about the Gentile world. One of the characteristics spoken of by the Apostle Paul in characterizing those people, they were not thankful. All of the great blessings that they enjoyed, and they were not thankful. Now you would think that these nine men that had been so richly blessed by the, the master, the one that they had asked to have mercy on them, you would think that they would have gone back and said, Lord, we are grateful. We are so thankful for what you've done for us. But they didn't do it. Really, an account yesterday. Matter of fact, I was reading yesterday and came, a, came across a story about a man that saved 17 people 
from drowning. This was back in about 1860. One by one, he brought those people to shore. And here's what was said about that account. This man later said there was not a single one of those that he had saved from drowning that said to him, thank you. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, can you imagine? You're drowning in water. You know you're going to die. And this man willingly risked his life so that you might live. And you're not grateful enough to just say thank you for what you did in gratitude. Is it possible that we live in a country today that has in many respects become ungrateful? And you have the ingratitude of the nine. The flip side of that is you have the gratitude of the one. The passage read a moment ago by Brother Kevin. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. How thankful are you to Almighty God? Is it not the case that He is our benefactor? That every single blessing that we enjoy in this life is derived from one single solitary source. And you know who that is? It's our Creator. To understand that we ought to be grateful to God for His creative power. If you were to go back and look at Psalm 95, there's a call to worship. The psalmist in that context said, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout with praise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. He goes on to say, In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The height of the hills are His also. The sea is His, for He made it. His hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. And we are the people of His pasture and the sheep in His hand. In Psalm 100, the psalmist said, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. Into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. I want to ask you a question. Have you thanked God this morning for being your Creator? Did you know that whether you are in Christ or out of Christ, you're blessed? Did you know that God is the one that has given you a body described by David as being fearfully and wonderfully made? That you are set apart from the animal kingdom because within that temporal body, is housed in eternal soul. It's called a spirit by the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9. And the Bible says, at death, that body will return to the dust from which it was taken. But that spirit will return to God who gave it. 
There are a lot of folks in our world today that do not believe in the creative power of God. I would ask the question, how in the world do you not see the footprint of God everywhere you turn? When you look at the beauty of this world, the vastness of our universe, the complexity of the human body, and you have come to the conclusion there is no God. Here's what the psalmist said. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It's found in Psalm 14, verse 1. To thank God for being our creator. And listen, not only should we thank God for His creative power, but also because of His sustaining power. Mentioned a moment ago that every one of us, whether we are in Christ, out of Christ, we are all the beneficiaries of His great blessings. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5? He said that the Lord makes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. The universe that we live in. What's the sustaining power behind that? Somebody might say, well, you know, there are laws of nature that are in place that maintain the unity and harmony of our universe. And I would agree with that. You're right. But who's the one that put those laws into motion? Wasn't by chance. No, the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that God upholds all things by the word of His power. You let Almighty God remove His gracious hand and see where we are then. This universe operates with precision because of a creator and because of a sustainer. Now, I want you to just think about something for a minute. Whether you are in Christ or outside of Christ, you breathe His air every single day. You drink His water. You eat the food that He has provided for you. The clothes that you wear, where did all that come from? It all goes back to a single source, doesn't it? In Acts chapter 17, when the Apostle Paul talked about the one true living God, and sadly, we live in a day and time when many people do not even understand the nature of God. They want to bow at the altar of any number of gods, and yet the Bible says there is only one God. But Paul said that this God has made of one all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth. That means from one single source, man has emerged. Who created Adam? God did. Who created Eve? God did. Now, that being the case, and the fact that God has created us, we enjoy His blessings. His sustaining influence is seen every day, isn't it? I mean, it all goes back to that single source. And so God is providing for us and here's what Paul said. It's in Him that we live and move and have our very being. He is the giver of all life, breath, now note, and all things. James said it like this. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above. 
from the Father of lights, with whom is no variation, neither shadow of turning. The body that you possess. Did you know that God has so constructed the human body that there are inherent healing powers within that body? When you get cut, when you get hurt, when you get sick, what happens? The body has the ability to heal itself, doesn't it? Well, how did all that happen? I tell you how it happened because there is a creator. And there's not only a creator, but there is a sustainer. We ought to just pause in the midst of our busy lives and give God thanks for what He's done on our behalf. We can live lives of ingratitude. But what the Bible says is we ought to live in gratitude to our Creator. And not only our Creator, but also our Sustainer. And then what about the redemptive power of God, the redeeming power of God? I want to just call attention to a passage of Scripture found in Romans chapter 8. Paul said, If God be for us, who can be against us? And then he went on to say, He that spared not his own son, but freely gave him up for us all. Paul would later write in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, Thanks be to God for His indescribable unspeakable gift. At one time, Paul had been a persecutor of the Lord and his people. But the Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus, and that changed everything, didn't it? And though Paul had formerly been a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent, haughty, arrogant man, he said, I did all that in unbelief. The grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant to me in faith and love. And this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Did Paul appreciate what the Lord had done for him on Calvary? You better believe it. Now that being said, where would we be without the Lord? You ever thought about that? Where would we be without the Lord? Where would you be? Where would your life be without the redemptive work of Christ in your life? You ever thought about that? I'll tell you where you would be. You'd be lost and you would die and forever be separated from God. There's only one person who can save. That's Jesus. There's only one answer to sin and that's His blood. And there's only one place where that blood resides, and that's in His body, the church. So if you're not in Christ, and if you're not in the church that Christ purchased with His blood, then you don't enjoy all those spiritual blessings that are available. So where would we be without the Lord? And then here's a second question. What would we do without the Lord? It's one thing to ask the question, where would we be without Him? But what, will, what, would we do, what would we do without the Lord? Where could we go but to the Lord? Now, if you're outside of Christ, there's only one place to go. That's to Christ. He's the answer to sin. And then to those who are in Christ, when the trials and troubles and tribulations and temptations of life come, to whom do you turn? 
You better be looking to the Lord. Those great provisions reside where? They're in Christ, aren't they? We're blessed today because of what Christ has done for us. Now, I asked the question a minute ago. Where could we go but to the Lord? What would we do without the Lord? Those of us who are parents here today, how much do you value your children? Could you put a monetary price on your child? Well, let me ask it like this. Let's just say that there's a person in this world that can live. But the only way that person can live is for you to sacrifice your child. Life for life. Your son, your daughter. Their life for the other persons. Would you do it? Would you give your child for another person? Let's just say your best friend. Your best friend, and you've known their children for all these years, and you love their children. They've been in your home. They've played with your children. You have, in many ways, been a mother to them. You've been a father to them. Would you give your child, bone of your bones, flesh of your flesh, would you give your child for that child? I know the answer to that. There are not a single one of us that would give our child for the life of another. I don't even have to ask you that. I know that answer. Now that's what God did for you. Do you know that? Him who knew no sin. He became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. The Bible says He bore our sins in His body on the cross that we being dead unto sin might live unto righteousness. So we talk about being thankful, being grateful. Let me tell you what, without the Lord, we're lost. We're, as Paul said, we are without hope. The reason is because we don't have God in our lives. My question to you today, do you understand what it means to be a beneficiary? As a parent, grandparent, you might have your children and grandchildren named as the beneficiary on a life policy. At your decease, they will receive the proceeds. We are the beneficiaries of a loving God in heaven. Those ten men that we read about just a minute ago, lepers, unclean, undefiled, ostracized, made clean by the cleansing power of the Lord. If you're here today and you're in sin, the only thing that can take care of your sin problem is Jesus Christ. As they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. His mercy, grace, and love exemplified at Calvary. So the question of this hour is, will you do what the Lord has instructed in His book? 
so that you might enjoy the benefits and blessings of His Son's blood. Number one, you've got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God because Jesus said, except you believe that I am, you'll die in your sins. The Lord said, if you die in your sins, where I am, there you cannot come. You've got to be willing to repent, that is to lay, lay aside a life of sin. You can't live in the world any longer. You can't act like the world, can't think like the world, can't talk like the world, can't dress like the world. Why? Because you're in Christ. You are penitent. And then to confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. Well, what is that? That Jesus is the Christ. You have to be immersed in water so that all your sins can be washed away. The only way that you can contact that blood is to go where it was shed. It was shed in death, John 19, 34 and 35. When you're baptized into Christ, you contact the cleansing power of that blood and God then puts you in the one body. Now, wait a minute. You're saying there's just one body? Well, Paul said, Ephesians 4, verse 4, there's one body. What's the body? He's the head of the body of the church. It means there's only one church. There's only one person who can save and there is only one place wherein the saved are. That's in the church of Christ. That's in the blood-bought body of Christ. That is the church that belongs to Christ. If you're here today and you're not a member of the church, my appeal to you would be to obey the gospel. Get into Christ, enjoy the benefits of His blessings and blood, be a part of His body, and here's the beauty of the Scriptures. The Bible says that the Lord is the Savior of that body. When the Lord comes, He's going to take the kingdom of God, the church, and deliver it up to the Father. And those of us who belong to God will be with Him forevermore in a place called heaven. If you're here today and you're not what you ought to be as a Christian, and you want the prayers of the church to help you get back on track, we'd love to pray with you and for you. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another. We would be more than happy to do that today for you as we stand and sing.